The Adelaide property market has been the poster child of COVID property boom. Prices were still growing for six months after Sydney peaked. They've recorded the lowest rate of price fall since their July 2022 peak and are still ahead against prices 12 months ago. To top it off, prices would need to fall another 29.4% according to CoreLogic to get back to March 2020 levels. What is the secret? Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent and buyer's agent mentor, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia, author of Auction Ready and co-host of Your First Home Buyer Guide. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker, recently ranked number five in Australia out of over 18,000 brokers in the annual MPA Top 100 Mortgage Broker Award. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of an appropriate and experienced professional. This week, we've invited a South Australian buyer's agent, Matt O'Donoghue, to join us and share what's been happening on the ground in the Adelaide property market. Matt has been in the real estate industry for almost 20 years, commencing his career in 2004 with Elders Real Estate in the Clare Valley. And by 2007, he purchased his first franchise on the York Peninsula with offices in Munta, Wallaroo and Kadena, which I've never heard of, and eventually managed one of the largest franchises in South Australia. So he's pretty well equipped to help us with the uh, market outside Adelaide too, I'm guessing. But two years ago, he joined the industry veteran Chris Waterman as a buyer's agent, and I must say his timing seems impeccable. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. We're looking forward to gaining an insight into really what's been happening in Adelaide, but also some of the fundamentals to understand, I guess, maybe how it differs from some of our other capital cities. Yes, thank you. Uh, Lovely to be here. Matt, I think that's a really good place to start, Veronica, is it's just historically what's driven the the Adelaide market, you know, a bit of a, you have to go back to 1900, but if we just talk maybe over the last couple of decades prior to COVID, like, you know, what was the trends? You would have seen some pockets doing well, some pockets just doing nothing, some types of properties doing nothing. And I think, you know, obviously COVID changed a lot of things, which you can talk about what drove that, but historically there was still a property market there. There were still parts of the market that were doing well, and, and it'd be interesting just to Get your takes on what was driving it prior to COVID. Well, I think Adelaide has always been touted as probably the most conservative city in in, in Australia. Um, you know, we we've had an issue over the last thirty years, forty years, where we see the young generation all leaving leaving Adelaide, leaving the state. But at the end of the day, we see them all come back when they get a little bit older. So this conservative city of churches as it's been touted over the years, it's certainly changed since COVID. There's no doubt about that. But uh, but really, I think it's a lot of people that, that that have loved Adelaide, born and bred, expats do come back eventually. I think they enjoy the hustle and bustle of Sydney and Melbourne on the eastern states. And then I guess when they come to, to start a family, they, they move back to Adelaide, I think, basically. So, I mean, on that point, I mean, so the brain drain, basically, you know, I think... Um, you know, it happens in New Zealand if people come across the ditch sometimes as well, right? They finish their study and they come. I don't know if that happens as much as it used to, but, you know, but is that sort of, you know, once they've gone and got that expat experience or in the cities, I've, you know, a few clients that have been in those positions, uh, you know, at people from Adelaide wanting to move back to Adelaide, but is it is it really a lack of jobs though? Because they're super experienced and there's only a lack of jobs that they're going to wait for someone to sort of pass on or a job opening to come up. But is that sort of some of the problems with the brain drain is that they can't come back unless they want to take a big pay cut or they're waiting for some trying to dream opening? 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, that that has been the case. That has been the issue over the last few decades, to be honest with you. Um, you know, when pe- when you've got a dream, you move into state at the end of the day, and it's been pretty sad for, for South Australia and Adelaide, to be honest. Um, but that, that is changing. I mean, we've got some uh, pretty amazing things happening in Adelaide at the moment in regards to the, the, uh, the Lot 14 uh, site on North Terrace, which is the old Royal Adelaide Hospital. Um, that's That's been... You know the the changes that are that are happening there with seven hundred and sixty two million dollars of money that's been put in from from the government, as well as four hundred million dollars being put in by private sector, um, in regards to innovation, development, and research and education, etc. It's uh, it's pretty exciting for South Australia, I think. So all of a sudden that's changing. There's no doubt that that sort of uh, uh, I guess thought process in regards to what's happening in Adelaide and what you know what potential really for South Australia certainly. There's been, yeah, I mean, the South Australian government for some years has incentivised organisations to set up their head office and, and, you know, big offices in South Australia. I know Westpac, for one, has got quite a lot of its staff in South Australia. Is it British Aerospace? Is head office down there? There's, there's, there's just two that come to the top of my head. And so obviously that's been in an effort to attract that talent or, or to give opportunity to people to stay in Adelaide. Um, and I would imagine they're not the only ones. But also, I think anecdotally what you say is very, very true. I know quite a lot of Adelaideans over the years, and I do know that many, many, many do, if they haven't gone back yet, want to go back. So it seems to me that there is that sort of real draw card or that draw. Do you think that, you know, the COVID, the work from home, it sort of seems a bit obvious, but is that part of the reason that it's been so uh, resilient in the face of the recent price falls across the country is that really it does have this latent demand from people who really would live there if they could, and now there's been an opportunity for to justify that they can make that move. Would you say that that's behind it, or would you say that there's something else driving the attraction to buying property in Adelaide at the moment? Well, affordability for one. You know, at the end of the day, we're still probably the most affordable city in Australia, and we're, we're you know the median house price we're we're half a million below Sydney. And probably three hundred thousand below. Well, in fact, it's probably more for Melbourne now. But at the end of the day, but uh, well, we just touted we are the most affordable city in Australia. I have clients that are looking to to get out of the rat race in Sydney and Melbourne and sell their properties in Turak for five million, buy the equivalent property in Adelaide for two million, and yeah, um, and you know, put the rest in super or or buy a couple of investment properties. Um, but there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that um, COVID has actually put. Adelaide on the map. There's no doubt in my mind. A lot of my clients are from the eastern states, expats from overseas. I've had clients from Switzerland, France, Germany, UK, America, all expats coming back to coming back to uh, Australia. And basically, these people are ex-Adelaideans at the end of the day, South Australians. So there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that COVID has put Adelaide on the map. Uh, you know, are, the, are there uh, people that weren't originally from Adelaide though? Are they moving there? Yeah, they are for, with friends because of friends. Right. <laughs> uh, true. I mean, I uh, you know, I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day who's uh, who, who moved back from Melbourne. He has friends that are now they've come over for holidays to ch- to say hello and and all of a sudden enjoy the state, enjoy Adelaide, what we have to offer, and uh, and all of a sudden decide, you know what, I can do my job as good in in Adelaide. You know, thankfully with Zoom, of course. I wish I had shares in that a few years ago, to be honest. Yeah, me all. <laughs> it, yeah, and it's just gone crazy right at the end of the day. Mm. So these these guys can actually set up their own homes, work from home, 
ne- travel to Sydney or Melbourne if they have to, Brisbane, uh, for conferences or whatever the case may be, but everything's worked from home. It's, it's magnificent. So, so those people, that buyer pool, that's a strong buyer pool, right? I can think of it, more than five clients that are expats coming back to Adelaide. And in that story with people who aren't from Adelaide, I've got one at the moment, two in tech. One, it's, um, I can't even probably say, that a lot of people work there, Atlassian. Um, another one worked at a big um, other tech company. And yeah, they're just looking for a family home and, in a, and to get that in Sydney, you know, is, is just enormous. But they know they can get something amazing over there. And they had a friend move there and they were visiting her and they were like, well, you know what? They've got no ties. They're actually both not from Australia. So they've got no family ties. Yeah. And they visited the friend and then fell in love with the city. But I mean, that, the type of properties that they want would also be a bit different to traditional. I imagine traditionally it's sort of those beautiful, and there's so many beautiful homes in Adelaide. It's got such a heritage overlay around the city, right? Like there's lots of sandstone, you know, um, bungalows, et cetera. You know, it's, a, it's, it's got that real facade, especially people coming from Melbourne. They, they, they love that, right? Um, but typically they always wanted that maybe, maybe around that Glenelg to sort of inner city pocket. Um, but do you find that people are now going Adelaide Hills or down more towards like McLaren Vale and the Barossa or, you know, that they're, they're willing to to go for that tree change because it's not really much of a tree change. It's only, what is 40, 40 minutes in a car or something. It's almost like an outer suburb. Um, do you find that that's happening a lot more than it used to? I mean, I obviously think it is, but what do you think? Chris, I promise you, the last 12 months, I've spent a lot of time driving up in the Adelaide Hills. Right. Mm. <laughs> just all the interstate buyers essentially all want to be up in the hills. Yeah. So uh, Crafe is sterling because really you're 25 minutes from the from the toll gates, which essentially mm. is the right on the edge of the of the, the city. It's very easy to get to. But everyone wanted to be in the Adelaide Hills, so it's just amazing how all of a sudden I was I was spending almost eight months of the year driving up and down that uh, into the Adelaide Hills, and it's a is it, beautiful part of the world. My God, mm, it is. Is it that like family buyer? Like I, I remember we went did Airbnbs, you like. Barossa, Adelaide Hills, um, somewhere stay on a boat on the water, like quite far down south, I can't remember where it was called. Um, but Adelaide Hills is just amazing. But do you find it's that that family buyer, because they're, they're living overseas, they're expat, maybe when the kids are young, they like the help, right? Um, and then when the kids are getting to sort of that six to 10 range, that's when they want to get back for the kids high school. And yep. is that, or is it, is it a little bit early you're finding it? Like, no, def- definitely, because I, I've got a client right now that's looking up in, the, in Sterling, uh, small family, bit of acreage, swimming pool, perfectly for the family. Uh, I had a, a client of mine, an expat from Singapore, Specifically, looking in the Adelaide Hills to buy, not to, but moving back in in three or four years' time. So it's just securing a property now uh, to move back to in, in you know a few years' time. So uh, I've seen a lot of that as well because that you know their potential. They are sing- uh, sorry, they don't have any kids at the at the moment, but that's their plan ultimately at the end of the day. Yeah. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of that definitely. Uh, but uh, it's so ironic that you met, you asked that question because I. I was just saying to someone the other day just how much I've been travelling up in the Adelaide Hills plate. So <laughs> it's, it's a popular area of promise. One of the things that we often see, and particularly in Brisbane, you know, there's always been a bit of a migration north from certainly from from Melbourne and, and from Sydney too, to a degree into Brisbane. And a lot of the the Brisbane buyers agents will comment that uh, Southerners tend to gravitate to the sort of the sort of property that a Bris a Brisbaneian would not go for necessarily. You know, we like brick and tile down here and they like um, timber and tin up there. Um, 
Is Do you find the same sort of thing in South Australia? Do you find in Adelaide when people come from elsewhere that they do gravitate towards the sort of property that, or the, even an area? So like in Brisbane, for instance, there's these, there's these um, places on the river that people from south would think, oh, well, they must be good because they're on the water, but they're actually not great suburbs in terms of where the, how the locals will perceive them. Would you yeah. would you say that there there is that sort of trap to be fallen into by interstate buyers in Adelaide as well? And where would that be? Like, where would people gravitate where locals will go, no, I'm not going there? Well, at the end of the day, I think there's there's a portion of Adelaide from Nord that runs all the way around to Goodwood, which essentially is the eastern, uh, the southern uh, parts of Adelaide, uh, within yeah, a, a three or four K radius of CBD. That is the area where everyone wants to be. But having said that, they're also actually um, put back in their place, I, I think, by their expectations and, and what they can afford in their budget, obviously. Because uh, that's actually, I mean, wealth into the world and buyers, but um, but that's basically that's where everyone seems to want to go at the end of the day. Um, yes, you've got your, those that want to be down by the beach, of course, and that's fine. Um, the thing about Adelaide is, what's unique about Adelaide is that uh, we're, we're in between the hills and the, and the sea. And so what's happening in Adelaide is we've just got this urban sprawl happening from north and south. Yeah. So, uh, so everything virtually within the hills and the and and the beach is becoming as popular, and it's driving prices up. There's no doubt about that. You know, um, I think the perception of what they can get for their money now is just a hell of a lot different than it was to. But does that something that then becomes a problem for locals? So if you've got a lot of interstate or people returning or, or following their friends to Adelaide, is does that mean that we've got uh, expats or? Um, interlopers pricing out people that are, have stayed there, the locals that are in the market. Yeah, definitely. And that's where they, uh, <laughs> that's where they get on the phone to the buyer's advocate, to be, to be honest with you. Right. So they want you to work a miracle. Yeah, that's right. Of course. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, you know, and they do, they, they everyone, we've, we've known for years, I guess at the end of the day, that's the way that we were brought up is that if we see a price for 800,000, we're going to go in at 750 and negotiate. Uh, right now, you know, 18 months ago, if I saw one at 800000 my first bid at auction would be a million dollars straight away. And and it's, and that's the market. That's what's happened here in Adelaide at the end of the day. The locals and I just don't understand what's happening with the with pricing here in Adelaide. It's it's very confusing for everybody at the moment. Um, but, you know, as a buyer's advocate, you're on the ground 24-7. You just, you just sort of know it. So you think that the locals, though, because it happened in Brisbane as well. I think, you know, it was always the Brisbane's going to boom, Brisbane's going to boom. Um, you know, every property magazine, even they shouldn't read magazines in property, but anyway, um, <laughs> was a Brisbane's going to boom. And, you know, a lot of that was the, the people in Brisbane didn't want to, you know, buy, take on a bigger debt and then, you know, the property not go up, right? Um, especially on a higher interest rates. But then there was that fear of FOMO, right? The market is, and actually I need to upgrade because I might miss the boat. And do you think that that sort of, happen in Adelaide as well. Like people are like, oh yeah, it's okay. I'll upgrade when I get to that stage of life, when the kids are 10, right? When I need that space, I'm not going to upgrade now because I'll just buy it in the future. It's not going to run on me. But in the last two years, they could feel that that gap ran on them because the bigger places obviously went up the most. Um, and then the locals start to have to really come in under lower rates because there was that FOMO that they might not ever be able to upgrade one day. It just astounded me that FOMO. You know, I, I guess that was everywhere in Australia at the, t you know, post-COVID, but yeah, just, just, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. You, you, you've got clients that would say, look, 
I know I'm paying 300000 more for this, but I want this property now. I'm going to buy it right now. I'm, Whoa, okay, well, it's your call at the end of the day. Um, but this fear of missing out was just crazy. You know, I think, sorry, uh, Veronica, but the um, what I would embrace is just auctions. Bring the auctions on at the end of the day because that's that will tell you where the market is, basically. Uh, I've, I've got a good question on this because, okay, so have you never experienced that in Adelaide market before? Is it is that the the most intense that you've experienced that? Yeah, I think so, probably. And of course, yeah. Sorry, there's there's there'd be young agents out there just going, God, how good is this? Of course. This is this is this has got to be the easiest gig in the world. I mean, to be honest with you, um, without being derogatory towards agents, Bozo the clown could sell real estate in the last two years. To be honest with you. Um, if you're an exceptional lister, it's sold, basically. Mm. Um, um, so yeah, it was, it's a wonderful world for those young youngsters in the market. But as soon as that that turns, you know, we'll see what happens. I guess at the end of the day. But oh, we see that regularly happen in Sydney. Don't worry, where you know all the the fresh influx of new new players in a hot market, and it's easy. And then you'll see who's really uh, who's really made of substance uh, when things get tough. So, you start going on back on the market again. Yeah, <laughs> the the auction market down in, in Adelaide is is different. I mean, it's never been uh, perceived as an auction market, and obviously, when you've got lots of competition, the opportunity for agents to sell an auction campaign does present itself. Now, I know the quoting laws in South Australia are different to they are to how they are in other states there's one and look they're all different every state and territory has different underquoting or different different uh, property laws a total but yeah. particularly with underquoting so I'm really keen to understand how this works in practice because I think it's it's pinning what the owner can set the reserve to what the agent can quote is probably the safest way of trying to eradicate underquoting because then it avoids that collusion that sometimes agents and vendors have where the agent justifies to the owner why they need to quote low. And so therefore, if you've got that level playing field across the industry, it's going to give buyers more confidence and there's a bit more consistency. So that's that's my sort of theoretical understanding of it. How does it play out in practice? Well, to be honest with you, I think buyers don't know this. Right. That's the biggest issue, I think, at the end of the day. Wow, I will say to them that uh, okay, so they're quoting eight hundred thousand. Okay, well let's just add ten percent to that. So that so we're talking eight eighty as the reserve price on that. Oh, are we? Oh, so they don't know. They don't know. So what do they think? Well, like the issue is that they still have this mentality of eight hundred thousand. I can get it for seven fifty. Yeah, correct. And and then I and I'll go in with the first bidder at one million dollars, and everyone just looks at me and goes, oh mm, God. You know, and I've just dropped eighty-five percent of the buyers out of the out of the competition. Um, it is great, though. I must admit, I think the issue that we've got in regards to this pricing uh, issue is it's very easy to be able to put a price on a property when you look at Price Finder and CoreLogic, uh, possibly historical data in regards to this with the price estimate that they've put this price at this property at. I can use that as a justification as to where I'm going to put this price on the market. Um, and we know that it's going to be higher than that. We just, I totally know that it's going to be higher than that. And when I speak to the, my clients, I say, well, look, look, Matty, this one's perfect for us. I say, well, we need to put another 200000 on it. Oh, what? So a lot of people are even going to the bank and getting their finances in order and, and all of a sudden I'll just go in there and pick them on, on their first meet. 
and it's just driving people insane hence the reason why they actually do come to me eventually or, or to a buyer's agent in Adelaide obviously um, to get a better understanding of how this works but I, I love it I do love it because we just know that if there's a price there 10% if we go over that 10% we know that the property's now on the market and it's a, and, and bring it on so I don't mind it I'm presuming that you've got a process of researching the price so that you can arrive at whether that's appropriate or not. Like, I mean, because, I mean, I know, we're sort of talking shortcut here or shorthand here because you and I have both been in industry for a long time. So I'm just wanting to make sure that we don't leave our listeners thinking that you just throw a dart at a dartboard and decide you're going to, you know, blow them out of the water because you happen to know that the reserve is going to be 10% over what's guided. I mean, how do you then say, like you gave an earlier example, I I'm guessing it's hypothetical, but if they've, they're guiding eight, that the reserve can't be any more than 880,000 because that's your 10%. Local buyers would be thinking, oh, maybe I'll be able to get it for 750 because they're not yet sort of well-versed in this auction thing. But interstate buyers coming in won't necessarily um, have the same thought process. But uh, are you using comparable sales to arrive at the figure that you're recommending or you or you be more about um, okay, what competitive or tactically? How can I make sure I secure this for the client? Well, I think obviously comparable sales is very important. You know, you, you know, as a buyer's advocate, you need to know what's happening in your market in every suburb, obviously. So at the end of the day, yes, you do comparable sales. Yes, you speak to agents, you find out what's happening in the market in regards to pricing. Um, but I think what's important is because you're doing this twenty four seven, you just know the market ultimately at the end of the day. Um, there's no way in the world I would probably do it now, even though there's the, the, the demand is still strong. We have a lot, we've got a bit of an issue with with stock. Mm. So that so the status quo virtually remains the same, even though the demand is lower, the stocks are lower. So the status quo remains the same. But would, would I go ahead with a million dollar off on an eight hundred thousand dollar property? Probably not. Not in not in today's market. Not now, um, because <laughs> you know I might be the only bidder and buyer, and then all of a sudden I go, oh, hang on. Why just pay too much? Yes, so I feel very comfortable. No, no, no. So yes, it's a, it's it's a it's different. I mean, I've, I had a client from uh, from Melbourne. Um, he was coming out. Well, he he was buying a property for his daughter, um, and he he was a vet, veterinary surgeon in Melbourne, just outside of Melbourne. So really didn't know Adelaide at all. He he would fly into Adelaide, go straight to the to his motel room go to the conference, go to a hotel, get on the plane and fly home again and never really understood Adelaide. He came across and I showed him this property and he just went, oh my God, two Ks from the from the CBD. This I keep throwing up this 800. This was 800, by the way. <laughs> and and I did go in at $1 million. And I, I said to him, we'll buy this for 1.2. And he said, are you kidding? Is that all? <laughs> yeah. But that's the danger of coming from another and more expensive city though, right? right. Exactly. So... So one point I did. I literally bought it for one point two million, and uh, and he was on the phone. He was back in Melbourne. He was on the phone when I was doing the bidding, and, and we were you know the highest bid ever one point two. And he's got one point two two five. Said no no no, it's okay. We've 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 got it. It's us. It's us. See so with him. He would have just gone further and further because he mm. didn't believe what you were getting for the money. Two Ks from this in only two Ks from yeah CBD. So it's a different market now than than it was. So so, so you've got like two. Obviously, I do think the expat people moving back. People have prospected from blades. Now they're coming back. They look at the alternatives, um, especially people who've worked in oil and gas and things like that. Um, maybe they've, you know, they've they've gone and worked in 
around the world. And then maybe there's, you know, good jobs in Adelaide for that. Um, and so I do think you're going to naturally get that because, you know, staying in Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane, you know, especially when you get to the family stage before your family are back in Adelaide, it's, it's not as easy as sort of it sounds and, and it's not more, no more affordable. So I think you're going to get that. But are the locals starting to feel like the income growth once you, you know, because prices are determined on how much money can people can borrow and how much debt people want to go into. So the last few years, the, the big jump in prices, a lot of locals are feeling that, you know, things are getting quite expensive for them. So it's not the new money coming back, like the, the expats that are on decent incomes and bringing cash because they've saved money. But the locals that are on local incomes, are they finding, you know, the, it's starting to get a bit of a stretch unless they're super cashed up or they're on a really high income. The majority of the city is starting to feel a bit, like it's had its day, it's, it's had its growth, um, and it's only these pockets that are now getting driven by low supply and higher incomes and cash that are really starting to keep, you know, buck the trend and continue to go up. Yeah, I think there is that nervousness there now, no doubt. And I think, you know, we can thank the media a lot for that as well, by the way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, because they need negativity in the media, of course, and uh, so they sort of drive this a bit. Um, but it is certainly... A concern for what at the end of the day, um, you know, everything's going up, water, yeah. power, everything at the end of the day. And so, with all you know, what have we had eight or nine interest rate rises? So the nervousness is definitely there. I think the affordability, but the, the affordability is is still very good ultimately. So you know, if you're buying two or three million dollar properties, and one would assume that you're actually in that market and you can afford it, essentially. I'm on a personal mission to help more people make better property decisions. And you can find out all about what I'm working on at veronicamorgan.com.au. And there you'll find resources for first home buyers, details about my buyer's agent mentoring program, access to suburb help for investors, or if you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or lower North Shore, you can connect with my team at Good Deeds Property Buyers. If you're thinking about buying your first home, upgrading to a new one, or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, we would love to carefully guide you through this journey and importantly, get the finance right. Please reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Don't forget that you can download our free full or forecaster report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au. Affordability is a relative concept though, isn't it? And it's relative to what, what you're earning. So I guess if that is uh, sustained, whether people are moving back there or moving to Adelaide are able to maintain their higher incomes, then that is going to be a, that is sustainable. And the locals on local incomes, if they are substantially different, will be suffering a bit. But it, Let's look at the investor side of things because in a lot of property forums, you know, there's Adelaide's been talked about in glowing terms, so is Perth. And, you know, that always worries me, you know, when investors on forums are talking up an area. Have you noticed an influx of interstate investors? Absolutely. Uh, so what's going on there? Well, I, was, I think I mentioned it to you before, Veronica, you know, we, I just know when I get the phone call, when they've got the five basic questions that they ask. Um, right. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I know where this guy's coming from. Um, and, you know, essentially they're saying that you, you've got to look for three bedroom, two bathroom, no less than 500 square meter um, of land uh, within a 10K radius of the CBD, you know, and see if you can get that for about 350,000, 400,000. And then I'll just go, please. Sorry. You've been, you've been fed the wrong information. 
in La La Land. <laughs> oh my God. Well, it is, and we get a lot of it. Yeah, ultimately, you know, they've seen, and, you know, they say, these are the questions you've got to ask the buyer advocate. Yeah. And you've got to yeah. try and screw them down as much as you can, blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. Of course. We'll bring it on, of course. But, uh, mm. but you know, at the end of the day, you've still got to educate them. And, and they're a little bit shocked at the end of the day. Oh, my God. Fuck you. So this is, a, this is, sounds like to me, a, a, a situation of asking the wrong questions. So they've got their five questions that they've found out on some forum or they've been following someone on YouTube or whatever. And so they've got these five questions that they deem to be, you know, the key questions that investors need to ask. You as a local, as, a, as someone who's had nearly 20 years experience now, I think, hang on a minute, they're the wrong questions. What mistakes would they be making as a consequence of going down that path versus what you would say to them that they need to be considering? As you know, it all, it, it all comes down to budget, basically. You know, if they're looking for a three-bedroom, two-bathroom property with no, with, with no less than 500 square metres of land, with a budget of 450000 then we're going far north or far south. So, you know, from their forums, they'll come back and say, you've got to be within a 10 or 15K radius of the CBD when you just be explaining to them, seriously, that's not happening. <laughs> I promise you, it's not happening. So you've got to educate them, basically. Yeah. And so, but would you say that, is that a good investment? Like, would you would you re be recommending somebody go that far out of the CBD in Adelaide as an investor? Well, I would because I think uh, the further out, the the better the yields, ultimately. Um, but there's certain areas that you probably, as an investor, you wouldn't um, steer towards because you know you've 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 got to consider the tenant, basically. Right. Um, so there's obviously some areas that are that are, you know not as lovely as others. Ultimately, at the end of the day. <laughs> so. But these areas have, have got massive growth, you know, um, these these areas north and south of, of the CBD. But what do you mean by growth? Mm. Uh, prior, you know, there's some areas like Elizabeth and Salisbury that are, that are up. I mean, prior to uh, COVID, Adelaide's gone up 44% approximately. Yeah, but that's that's an aggregate of the whole city. I'm, I'm sure not everyone's done, not every area's done that. No, correct. But, but, but actually north, uh, like Elizabeth and Salisbury is actually where the, the most growth has been. Um, so there's so, some areas there where you would go, and there's some areas that I probably wouldn't stick any more close to. Why would you say that is? So Elizabeth's where Holden used to be, right? Yeah, and correct. so when they closed, I mean, was there a period of time where really that market really dipped, and so there's a recovery that, yeah. and that that counts for part of it? Yeah, possibly. I, I think. I mean, it was a bit of doom and gloom was that when, when that when mm. it happened. Um, certainly, but. Uh, but it, once again, it's just affordability. You know, it's always been a um, very, very affordable part of Adelaide, really. So, do you think that that's driven by the partly also by the rental afford rental crisis that we've got across this country? So, affordable areas are typically areas where people might uh, you might have a higher proportion of renters, possibly, um, and so that's going to drive yields up obviously, because people are going to go there and that's going to bring investors in because they're going to make the erroneous. Um, and, and I guess you could have a bit of a false positive in a way because it's it's driven by external factors that have got nothing to do with the intrinsic characteristics of that area. And people could be lulled into a false sense of security thinking that that is actually what's called fundamentals of an area, but it doesn't actually have them. Is that a risk in a place like that? Uh, possibly, but I think at the end of the day, once again, it comes down to the affordability of those properties. And in the, that's where these first-time investors are going, are leading towards where it comes to affordability, ultimately. 
Yes, but that's a short-term yeah. factor. Uh, what I'm talking about is long-term. They buy in there because they're affordable. They buy it. It's, it's made to look even more attractive because there's a rental shortage and rents are, are going up. Um, and also they're comparing it with, you know, more in-demand areas. Like you talked about that area, that strip between the hills and the coast, basically, and sort of three Ks of the Adelaide um, CBD that's always in demand. People who can't afford that will go elsewhere. When there's no demand, what happens to the affordable areas? And, uh, I can't. Well, at the end of the day, couldn't tell you, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I just think that the, with what's happening now in Adelaide, the, the demand is strong in all area, in every area. <laughs> but yeah. at the moment, mm. everywhere, everywhere I see, the, there's strong demand everywhere I see at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I guess that's, I mean, I look at that and just think, oh, I'm, I feel that's risky. Yeah. For people buying in, um, when there's an area, there's city that everything's got demand. That means that it's like in a hot market in a great suburb, the stuff on the main road will sell well in a hot market, but you know, in a dead mar- in a slow market, no one's going to touch the stuff on the main road. And if you extrapolate that concept into a, into a wider area, whether it's just a council area or whether it's a city the same principle applies. You know, the stuff that only sells well because everything's in demand. As soon as demand shrinks, that stuff gets, oh, I don't want to be on the main road now. You know, I'm going to go back to, you know, the A-grade areas. I go to where I perceive, where I perceive I can afford. So that's the problem with that affordability as a driver. That's that's what I'm trying to get at here. And I guess, I guess in uh, if I lift the lid on your answer, I'm guessing that because like you said earlier, you've never experienced a demand of this magnitude in Adelaide and so widespread before. So when you say you don't know what's going to happen when it when it evaporates, it's probably because you haven't actually had that happen yet. Uh, but in regards to these investors, they're, they're like every other investor at the end of the day, they're looking for capital growth and yield, basically. You know, and if you if it's like the analogy, if you drop the pebble in the middle of the middle of the pool, the higher energy is at, is at the, the beginning of the, the ripple, and then and it falls out of it. Yep. So, look, with these investors from these forums that come forward, yes, we're going to be steering them out for north. There's no doubt about that. Into the what's basically affordable, very good yields, and potential for capital growth, ultimately, I think, yep, from a low base. So I, I think that the issue with driving, um, buying affordable properties is the reason they're affordable is that ultimately the fundamental demand is the affordability market, right? People on lower incomes and middle incomes uh, the, the reason they're living there, not by choice, 100%, it's because that's where their income can afford. And same as an investor, it's affordability, right? I can't afford a million-dollar investment property. I can afford 300 so I'll buy it. We talk about the, the start of the podcast, we talked about demand in terms of who's driving the Adelaide prices. Well, if the expats coming back, they're not moving to these areas, right? High-income, cashed-up expats aren't moving there. Also, the people in Adelaide, the business owners, the execs, the high-paid jobs, they're not moving to these areas. You know, and wage growth is not equal. So... You know, a, a small portion of the people in Adelaide are doing much better than the, the majority. And so what you'll see is the income growth is not fair in Adelaide. Income growth is probably really strong in that middle one to three K ring around the city, which you just spoke about. They're the ones getting the 30 K bump in salary. Um, but they're not getting a 3% pay rise, right? And in those areas, you're getting very low supply because people aren't selling, right? Because they've, they've got their forever home. They don't want to move anywhere else. They can move another kilometre closer to the city, but there's no real advantage. So we just <laughs> say this. You've got this, ultimately, this shrinking supply and growing demand every year. The problem when you go to those outer areas is you just start seeing more more supply, right? You'd be seeing house and land packages. 
you'd be seeing duplexes, you'd be seeing townhouses, you'd be seeing apartments, etc. And, and that's where you just, yeah, you're getting good yields, but the growth is not going to be anywhere near where income growth is in Adelaide. And I think that's, that's the issue with these property forums with Adelaide is that they'll push people down these affordable. And the issue is they haven't thought, what's the alternative? What happens if I just bought one, not three? Or what happens if I sold that other one I bought in Perth or Brisbane apartment and then bought one really good one in Adelaide? Um, well, what happens if I waited to get that pay rise? And well, what happens if I included my partner in this or, you know, paid off my hex debt or, you know, didn't have that credit card. So there's not enough critical thinking to it. They, the, the forum says, where's the hotspot? Where's gets good yield? Okay. You need to go to Adelaide because there's good yield there. And then they get shifted to these affordable markets. And then, you know, they, they come in your, your door and they'll say, oh, I want to buy something at three, 400. You, you're not there to drive that conversation. It's just that they've come to you as the final stop to get the, the transaction done. But all the wrong questions and all the wrong thinking started many, many months before you. Um, and it's hard for you, as a, and this is one of the challenges of buyers agents, is you get the brief, you get the budget. You, often buyers agents don't know if they're pre-approved um, and what their maximum is because the, the client is a bit cagey. They're like, do I trust the buyers agent? So I tell them it's 500. What? Or they could go to for a real cracker and they don't, they, they not only want to spend 500. Yeah, it just drives me insane that, you know, yeah, I've literally got a client right now. Sorry, Chris, but um, I mean, the other thing is that, um, you know, this investment caper is a long-term strategy. Yeah. Yes. Not this, they're not going to do this in two years and make 100000 on their purchase on this. Oh, yeah, but they all think that they are, don't they? Because there's this e- instant equity uplift thing that's, <laughs> that's being touted. But, I mean, if you talk about certain budgets, I've got a, a client right now that's got a budget, Matty, million dollars. Come on, Matty, find me something for a million dollars. Anyway, I found something and I thought, well, at the end of the day, unfortunately, it's not within our budget, but um, it's absolutely ticks every part of our brief. We've just put an offer in at 1.6. I've just got, are you serious? I mean, I would have been looking at a completely different market. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but, but, I mean, but you know, obviously they, they want us to, you know. That, that, that's a really interesting conversation. So we do a lot of this. We do scenario analysis, right? Like, mm-hmm. And, you know, and it'll be, okay, so if you sell that property, you can, if you don't do anything, you can borrow X. If you sell that property, you can borrow Y. If you sell both those properties, you could borrow Z. You know, if you did X, Y, Z, you could borrow a bit more. If you waited for this to change, like, et cetera. And, you know, unfortunately, like normally people go through that analysis. They just go, like, tell me what you want to spend, uh, 1.1. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine. We can do that, you know. And even today, like a client was limiting themselves up on the central coast. Um, you know, there was they were just like probably not like just oh, we haven't got kids yet. It was just one of our first property. It is our first property actually, so we don't want to go too far in. And I don't. I, just, I think it's less risky for me to spend a little bit less. So I'll just buy this little townhouse <laughs> when literally fifteen percent more would get them a six hundred square meter north facing on the best street. And so, and, and, and what was happening is their search and us of what we're doing now, oh, well, we really limited our search to 1.1 and this is the best that we could find under that. Whereas if you change the search to 1.4, it was like in the last 12 months, you're like, well, there's six properties that are crackers that, uh, that have sold. So I think, yeah, buyers are going to be very careful with self-limiting their options because end of the day, you're just literally limiting your opportunity. And sometimes you're really shooting yourself in the foot because in Adelaide, there's sweet spots in the market, right? Like. I mean, there's probably points where the locals don't want to go past. Like they just haven't got the income or the, the tenacity to go past 1.5 million. Maybe there's like a mental like limit. But then if you went 2 million, 
you get 40% more land, the best street, the heritage frontage, the tennis court. And so where is that sort of in Adelaide? Like where, in Sydney, it's probably, you could probably talk about this yourself, I reckon it's probably five to four, like four and a half to five. You start getting, you know, maybe most properties in three. I don't know. What do you think, Veronica? Like it's a, Sydney's a really hard place to yeah, talk to that because in the inner areas where your dollar per square meter in terms of land is most expensive, you're getting not a lot of house for a hell of a lot of money. And then you go into different suburbs, you get different lot sizes, different yeah. types of houses. So, you know, in one area to say that you need four and a half to $5 million to buy a decent house is sort of crazy because you think you don't need that much at all. But in other areas, if you don't have that much, you're, you're got bucky you buy something unrenovated if you're lucky you know that you could barely live in i guess at the end of the day the median what is the new median adelaide is about seven hundred thousand now um you know i live in, in a, a beautiful area here in adelaide uh, in hyde park areas unley park hyde park malvern you know the foothills leading up to the adelaide hills they are commanding good money but at the end of the day good money here in adelaide is is a pittance in, in sydney and melbourne potentially so for two and a half million dollars you can actually get a beautiful home a beautiful home with, with 900, 1200 square meters of land. Um, the closer you get to the CBD, of course, two case from the CBD, um, you know, there's Victoria Avenue here in, in Alley Park where you'll be paying, or Muslim, you'll be paying potentially 9 million, 10 million. Um, there's not too many areas that like that in Adelaide, however. So we've only got this, this small areas where, where it's commanding huge money, ultimately. Yeah, I, th- I think your 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 example there of that client though that sort of comes to you with a ca- with a self imposed limit that is more arbitrary than real, and then when they see the house that they want, yeah, they are capable of paying a lot more. They never told you that, so therefore your your search you're searching for the wrong property, and you don't even yeah. know it because you're only focusing on the information that they've given you in the first place, and then. When you go and make an offer on the more expensive one, you think, God, there's five others that they could have looked at that they might have actually liked better. Hold <laughs> on. Yeah. This seriously does drive me insane when I, you know, it's like, so that is your budget. Okay. That's what we're working on. Okay. Well, that's the area that I'm going to be looking at. Oh, mm. These are the areas that we, that we'll search. This is, these are the attributes that I'll be looking at. Perfect. Let's, okay, let's go hundred miles an hour. And then <laughs> when it comes to the crunch where they all of a sudden got another 400,000 up there. Of their sleeve, is it? Is it something that comes particularly with interstate? Because there's this perception of you can get so much more for your money in Adelaide, and so therefore they they might even limit themselves as well by thinking this sort of bargain mentality. Um, or is it something that you you struggle more with locals? No, I think it's across the board. It's mm. it's every, so buyers want to save money and, and sellers want to make money. So, but ultimately, you know, it's across the board. To be honest with you, it just it just varies. So have you got a um an example of a property dumbo for us? Or is that it? <laughs> no, no, no. I'll give you I'll give you one. It's hopefully it's not too long winded. But there was a property for sale at auction. And I won't men- I won't mention the agent or I won't mention anything really detrimental. But ultimately this I had a client, we had a budget, and we went we made an offer because of what was happening in Adelaide, like you could miss the property on a, on a Wednesday, do the first open on a Saturday and you sell it on a Sunday. Because basically that's what happened. Yeah. And so we so we we've uh inspected the property. There was ten offers that had come in the next day. So we made an offer on the property at one million two hundred and forty eight thousand. Sorry, I'll, let me just step back. The the agent said, Okay, uh 
all offers to be to be uh, submitted by 6 p.m. on a Thursday night. And I'll explain why I think they're, it's just crazy. So 6 p.m. On a, on a Thursday night. So we put our 1248 in five minutes to six. I didn't get a phone call until quarter to nine to say, okay. And this is the phone call that said, okay, now look, what you need to do, you need to waive the calling off on this. And I've gone, okay, so does that mean that I am the winner? Am I, am I the highest? Well, what you do need to do is just wave the cooling off. No, I understand that, but am I the highest? Am I the highest? Mm-hmm. Well, you are, well, you are at the moment. You had a deadline. <laughs> what do you say? And look, at the end of the day, on a Thursday night after nine o'clock, for me to try and find a solicitor, who's probably going to his second bottle of red in a restaurant somewhere, I've got no hope of them sitting down to, 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 to do an hour-long wave of cooling off, right? So we had to do it the next day. And, and I said, well, so I'm not, so I am the highest. Okay. She said, but who's to say that someone doesn't, she's going to love this. Who's to say that someone doesn't um, call me at 6.30 in the morning with a higher price? And I said, oh my God, this is sounding a little bit unethical. Anyway, I will organize to get a, to wave the cooling off first thing in the morning. And I've told my client and she's a bloody ill, Matt, what the hell? And this is true. So anyway. Just after six thirty the next morning, I'm just made my cup of tea. I'm just about to sit down, and my phone rings. Now, and it's the agent. And I'm I looked, and normally I would say good morning, Matt. Matt speaking. But I was probably still wiping the sleep out of my eyes, right? So I've just gone hello. Anyway, the agent said, "Now look, I'm just having trouble reading your text. Are you saying one three three one?" And I just stopped for a second, and then said. Uh, excuse me, do you know who you're talking to? And she's, oh, oh God, that's mad, isn't it? I said, uh, yes, it is. So hang on. So what you're telling me that someone has just made an offer of 1331000 on this property? Um, uh, yes. I said, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? It's almost like you predicted this. This is outrageous. So, you know, and just to, just to fit, top it off at, she said she ran back again at 9.30 and said okay now what I'm going to do I'm going to take um, best and final offers by 10.30 this morning <laughs> at, and I said whoa are you <laughs> kidding me I already I said is it only against me and this other person I'm assuming and she said yes well I already know what they've made their offer they've made so I'm not and in fact 1.2 1248 was our maximum minimum so I said you know what something unethical I'm not doing it and um, as I learned, three months later, that buyer bid themselves another $1,000. So they actually bid, outbid themselves again when I, when I stopped. So it was just outrageous. So essentially what I'm saying is if an agent is going to do a best and final, it's got to be by 3 o'clock in the afternoon to give us time to be able to go and wave the cooling off if it's an mm. ad- auction. It was, it, the, it was just amazing what happened at the end of the day. And this is an agent that's been in the... Around a long time. I guess this is a good example of agents who are not used to dealing with volume of buyers, this level of competition. They don't have a process in place to say, this is what we're going to do under these circumstances. It reminds me not quite, I've never bungled up anything quite like that, I don't think, when I was a sales agent. But early on, I remember not knowing how to handle um, people throwing offers at me and having to be coached through by, by, you know, my boss. And so that 
sounds to me like also, you know, best and final and then, oh, another best and final. How many best and finals are you going to give us in this exercise? So, But, I, you know, when I first started in real estate, I, you know, I was doing the C4 course, right? And then, and at the course, you have, uh, you have guest speakers that come in. And I remember this guy, an older gentleman came in. And uh, the first thing he said, oh, I've been in, in real estate for 35, 40 years, and I can promise you that every day is not the same, and I learn something new every day. And I just went, it's so true in real estate. There's something new that pops up just about every day. And, yep. and it, this, you, what you have to do is you've got to put it in your memory bank and, mm. and, know, what, and know how to deal with it once it pops up. So it is, it's an amazing industry. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it's, 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 not, it's not easy at the end of the day, and I think you've got to be on the ball at all times. It's it's one of the reasons I put together the Buyer's Agent Mentoring Program, exactly that. Weekly sessions the other day, we were talking about one of the members was saying, you know, I've been approached by somebody who wants to buy a withdrawn listing. So this property's been to auction, been passed in, um, and then ultimately been taken off the market. And I'm like, all oh, right, okay. So, <laughs> you know, because of my sales experience and all my buyer's agency experience, I pretty much can almost tell what's happened in the scenario. And so I have a hypothesis and then I set up a whole bunch of questions that I would go to that, the original agent and the owner wherever I've got access to that property. And you've also got to make sure that the buyer doesn't run the risk of paying two commissions. There's actually a deal to be done. There's a whole bunch of things that that through experience, you can string it all together and, and say, right, this is how we move forward. Whereas if you haven't been around the block, everything is new. And you can't draw on all of those those things that have happened over the years to go right. I get, and also sometimes there are no, there's no deal to be done. Sometimes you just beat your head until it's a pulp against the wall, and you're never going to buy that property. And a lot of time is wasted. But you know, it, early on when you're naive and starry eyed, you you'll go for it because you want to show how good you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but well, that's right. <laughs> but I think. I think, you know, as an agent, as a selling agent, or even a buyer's agent, at the end of the day, advocate, you know, to align yourself with a very good solicitor or a very good conveyancer um, that you can bounce off every single day is gold, I think. Very helpful. Yeah, it's absolute gold because, you know, you get the right person that obviously if you feed them enough business, um, they'll come back to you, you know, and, and I, you know, I've had a few of those over the years that have just been, you know, fantastic for me. Very true. Thank you, Matt. Um, really appreciate the chat. Interesting just to get some more insights into Adelaide. It is a market that we don't have talked about in depth that much on this podcast, but certainly we're recording this in February. The results, you know, certainly the data in February um, has continued to show Adelaide to be basically the strongest performer in Australia probably throughout 2022. <laughs> so it's time that we had a conversation about it. Bucking the trend, I think. Awesome to chat, Matt. Thanks for coming on. Thanks very much, guys. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer in an upcoming Q&A episode, you can send us a voicemail or written question via the website, theelephantintheroom.com.au, or you can email us directly at questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars would be great. I know that sounds a bit cringy, but we have it on good authority that every review helps make it easier for other people to find out about us and hear what our amazing guests have to say.